Welcome back, everybody, to Divorce Devil, Episode 5. Today, we're going to talk about divorce and finances, everybody's favorite. And back again, we have Denise. Go ask Denise. She knows it all. She's my friend. We met in divorce recovery. Denise, say hi to the peeps out there. Hi, everybody. So what are we going to talk about today, Denise? Start us off. We're going to talk about the importance of your finances and how it can impact you going forward in life. <clears throat> okay. So we already talked a little bit about that before this, and we talked about there's always a dominant personality in the finances in a couple. Someone pays most of the bills. So there you go. So there you go. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I think so. I think in a family or in a couple situation, you will always have one person who will be the responsible one who will pay the bills. You know, you have your direct deposit. He or she will take care of all the financial obligations. That doesn't necessarily mean, in my opinion, that he or she is also actively involved in their finances. Um how many people uh, actually sign up for 401ks? How many people know that you probably have a better chance of if you do a rollover, if you move to a different company, you take your money with you. That puts you then in a self-directed status, in which case then you can make a lot of interesting investments with your money, depending on your creativity and your willingness to risk a little bit. So I think it's important for a person as he or she are going through the divorce or contemplating it to also be aware of how they need to manage their money. You know, clearly you've got a reduction in salary of income coming in. How will that impact your lifestyle? How will the division of uh, assets for example, with a 401k that I've learned is that while you are married, you have right of survivorship as long as you're still married in so much as getting your share of the 401k. Um, if you have taken that 401k throughout your lifetime and moved to another job and you've rolled it over into a rollover IRA, then that's a financial entity that you can divide up differently in a divorce. It doesn't necessarily have to be 50-50. So how about if we go a little bit simpler? What about the the uh, lady or guy out there, the spouse been paying all the bills, then all of a sudden the spouse is out of the house and there's bills to pay. What 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 can you do? Where can you go to help to have people help you? You go to friends, you go to your church, what do you you know, you're like stuck and there's bills due. Well, you know, I I to be honest, haven't investigated that scenario too far as far as organizations that can help you. I personally was the dominant one in the relationship only because I liked financing. So for me, it was an outlet to pay attention to whatever surplus money we would have had and in investing and things of that sort. What I learned, however, by going to groups such as DRW is that most people aren't aware of, let's just say, for example, once you're divorced, let's say later in life, the person who earned the most income, the head of household, doesn't matter if it's he or she, the other spouse, if you've been married longer than 10 years, can tap into their social security versus, let's say, the person who stayed at home, perhaps, and earned less money over the lifetime. Okay. 
that's an important thing because you'd be surprised how many people aren't aware of that. But back to your question. So you're divorced, you're living on your own. You know, I believe it would be worthy to take some of your money and look for someone who can give you financial guidance, unless you have a support group of friends that could help you through that. I think that's a great answer. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, and I think that most divorces, um, there's, there's always, well, not always, but most of the time, maybe half, I think there's an element of surprise. So the other, the, the one spouse is, is kind of blindsided <clears throat> about what happens. So they, they don't have a chance to regroup or get ready or anything like that. So, Absolutely. And like I said, by my exposure to DRW as a participant and then as a facilitator, um, and a lady who became my friend had never in the 30 plus years that she was married even wrote a check. So for me, that's kind of a hard thing to wrap my mind around. But by going to these groups, I realized, wow, this is something where people really do need assistance. Very Not common. in the the actual physical part about filling out the check. I mean, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. But the impact of, let's say, starting out an account with $1,000 and you have rent and food and gas and you start subtracting from that to make sure that you haven't overextended yourself. So even doing like a simple budget would be exactly. hard for people. Yeah. So. And nowadays, with all the apps that are available on phones, there are many things that you can do. Now, one that I haven't really used a lot, but I actually met the young man who created it once on a flight, is called Mint. You have to be able to sit down and be realistic and honest with yourself, because if you're not, the only person who's going to lose out of that is yourself. So... What did you do while you were married for your extra money? Did you go five times a week to Starbucks? And did you eat out all the time? And uh, do you still have the same car that you had while you were still married? Do you have, you know, things of that sort will impact your finances. Oh, definitely. Yeah. The one thing that saved me was since I have my own business, but my ex wrote up all the, the bills and did the budget. <clears throat> so my transition wasn't that hard because I was running my business. Right. And I was doing the... uh the the budget through the business and things like that. But sometimes there's like a like you said, a big reduction of of uh of income, things like that. Um let's say that the 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 one spouse leaves a house until the divorce is done. And so there's all sorts of things that you deal with that 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 cost money. You know? Exactly. I saved a bunch of money by staying in the house d d during the divorce. Because I didn't want to leave because I want to see my kids every day. So that saved us a ton of money. But when you branch out and exactly. go to different areas and, you know, you got to sell the house, equity in the house, there's so much. But I, I think you do need to go out and seek help, you know, fi financial help. And I think banks, you know, wh wherever you have your account, I, I, I think banks are willing to help you out too, big time. Well, Savings I and loan banks, anything like that. Well, and because it's important. And again, like I said earlier in the conversation, uh, the part about Social Security, that's actually more applicable to someone who's divorced after a very long marriage, <clears throat> perhaps when you're already in your 50s, such as myself. Now, by the time my maintenance is exhausted and I'm no longer receiving it and I'm pretty close to retirement age, personally, I don't have the need to get married again. I'd rather be single, maybe even live with someone, and tap into my spouse's social security because he has made an exorbitant amount of money in the last 25 years. So for me, that's a financial decision I would make for myself. 
Now, if you get married, can you not tap into the Social exactly. Security? Exactly. Okay. And you have to be married 10 years, and you also have to be able to have your documentation. Therefore, it's really important to hold on to your divorce decree because that will come up in so many other areas where you have to prove. So is it an automatic draw, or does the divorce decree say that you have access to the You have security. access. It is it is automatic. So in other words, for for myself, I'm a few months older than my spouse. I have to wait until he becomes Social Security eligible. And he also can call Social Security. And, and when I say started, he doesn't have to start collecting his social yet, but he has to report it to the Social Security office. And therefore, I can then start tapping into it. I didn't because, know that. Yes, exactly. And it's automatic. It, it doesn't matter any type of di- divorce decree. It doesn't matter. But you have to be married 10 years. Exactly. So for someone who, let's say, you're ex, and you've made X amount of dollars over the years, why would you choose the lower of the Social Security? doesn't make financial sense. The lowers of Social Security for myself? No, for, okay. for the person. Yeah, for me, I was a stay-at-home mom, so clearly my Social Security check would be pretty pitiful. Yep. So, again, finances will always come. You will always be confronted having to make a decision about it. Again, in your love life, let's say you met somebody and you wanted to get married. Is it worth saying that you're legally married or just living with someone for the sake so that you can, for however many years you need your Social Security, you have a higher amount? Hmm. Interesting. Yes. I just learned something and my face is contorted right now. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and to be truthful, um, this was something that was provided to me by my attorney in Pennsylvania. And since then, I have read up on it. And there are, you know, the information is there. I think what happens is that we become so devastated later in life when we go through a divorce after having such a long relationship, that unless you were already familiar with various things or had a group of friends that had been exposed to it, you'd be unaware of what all is available to you. So through your travels through this uh, divorce world, uh, you and I both have seen people get less than average, less than what they're worth, the divorce decrees, because they want to be fair uh, or they want to be nice instead of fair and just. So what can you speak on that? Because we know some people that kind of got screwed. Right. And 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 they should have got more. Absolutely. Or less. Yeah. Well, it could yeah. it, I think in honesty the pendulum can swing either way. Oh yeah. I can only speak for myself and the people who I've met on my journey. If I had to do it over again, I still personally wouldn't feel the need to take my ex down. However, I would be a bit more proactive about the division of personal property versus at the risk of saying, oh, let's just get through it and be done with it. Sometimes you can really hurt yourself financially. That's a big point. Huge point. And I think that the emotion component really plays a negative factor on the fairness of division of us uh, of assets. I think yeah. the emotional part is very valid to the person who even you can still be devastated by yeah. this event, but you don't have to be ugly about it. Correct. And I think in that case, an emotion plays a big part. Yeah. 
when the ugliness raises, the emotion raises, and the common sense doesn't doesn't kind of kind of goes away. Right. You know, no one's fair. This, that, and the other. When you have two people not trying to be fair, it's uh, you can almost get through anything. Absolutely. Can't, can't can't get through it at all. I mean, right. But when you have one person not being fair and the other person being complacent, then somebody's getting screwed. Absolutely. And see, another thing that people, many people don't know is, for example, let's say, for instance, you were in a long-term relationship. Later in life, you got divorced. Whoever that person was, head of household, made a lot of money. And let's say you have a pretty decent 401k, or now it's a rollover IRA. First of all, when you transfer or you divide up a 401k and you roll it over to another financial institution, you have to make sure that it goes from one to another. You never want to take it out at that moment because what happens is you're emotional about the divorce. And if you've taken your money out past, I believe it's 60 days, then you're penalized for all of that. So you have to make sure it goes from one hand to another and not yours quickly. The other thing too is that um, a lot of people don't know that, let's say hypothetically, again, long-term marriage, divorced, you want to go out, maybe get a townhome or something, another, you can withdraw money from your 401k and borrow from yourself as long as you pay it back within 60 days without being penalized. So you can use something that's perceived as being untouchable for a period of time. You can also do it as a one-time home buyer, take mm-hmm. it money out. Um, you can do it for major uh, catastrophic uh, medical expenses. So let's say hypothetically it's the woman who's unaware of this. This puts her in a different financial situation versus her sitting here thinking, okay, I'm 55. I can't touch what money I've gotten out of the divorce in my rollover, my IRA now, and I have not a lot of cash money available to me. You know, so you do have some options, but it is important to understand the rules and understand when it is that you're taking things out, but you still can make good financial decisions. So what are some of the surprises that people, men and women might, might see going through a divorce? Like after divorce, maybe the cost of healthcare would be a big surprise because that, that is, that is huge. Cause if one spouse has a job generated healthcare right. and, and it's nice and inexpensive, then, then you become divorced. Then you have to go get healthcare on your own. Exactly, it's freaking expensive. Well, that's that's another good reason why you want to vote. But anyhow, <laughs> <laughs> wow. But absolutely, you're right because one of our mutual friends, in particular, uh, as we were simultaneously going through our divorces, long term uh, marriage. You know, we're in our mid fifties. We went together to an insurance broker. This is another thing that I learned that I wasn't aware of. <clears throat> so the difference between her quote and mine, you would both look at us, we're relatively fit, because there was a period of time where she had gone to the doctor and had asked for, as example, I think it was Prozac and some Valium to calm her while going through the divorce, the manner in which she requested this from her doctor, it now put her in a category with pre-existing illness. Wow. Because it depends on how the doctor wrote it up. Instead of saying this is short term, you know, whatever the verbiage you want to use, you know, to manage, you know, the trauma of going through the divorce. So I wouldn't have known to pay attention. I now pay attention when I go to the doctor. So we end up at the insurance broker. She has a year and a half of COBRA, which is offered to many people from her husband's business. 
it's an option. It's kind of expensive, but at least it gives you coverage until you can figure out other situations, either returning back to your career, get a job. You know, unfortunately, nowadays, for myself, let's say I'm in retail, most people aren't going to put you on full time. So you're then forced to go out and buy private health insurance like I have, which just went up 25%, another reason to vote. But beyond that, (laughs) beyond that, and then that is differentiated in what state you live in and what the circumstances are. And it's funny, because this is now my new pet peeve, I just received my um, new pamphlet from my healthcare provider. And it only went up $100. So I'm relatively lucky. But out of all the amenities that I am now paying for, None of them are applicable to me personally. Like, for example, I don't need pediatric vision, but I have no coverage for (laughs) geriatric vision. Um, I also have the ability to have a bariatric uh, procedure done, but I'm not overweight. Um, What was the third thing? Oh, I also have uh, maternity leave, which, God forbid, if I was to have a baby at this point, I would need more than just maternity leave. Oh, yeah, you would need some psychological counseling. You know, so what happens is in today's world – is that you have to pay attention to what's going to happen to you. Some things you just literally have no control over. I got my re- my my statement from my health insurance. I'm afraid to open it. <laughs> <laughs> it's been sitting on my well, desk Open enrollment's coming up, so you're going to have to make a decision yeah, soon. I know. It's on my desk, and I'm afraid to open it because I'm not pregnant. I, I don't need any kid eyes, right. you know, kid glasses. I'm just afraid to open it. So, so what else it, on 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 top of insurance? So, what's another modality that, that that we can talk about? Well, for me personally, while I was married, I enjoyed. So, I ended up at a financial institution um, that is a broker dealer relationship. So that allowed me to get online and with my little bitty money, buy and sell stocks and blah, 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 because that's something I personally enjoy doing. I have learned, however, more people than not prefer not to do that and have somebody else oversee their money, in which case then you have to recognize that very quickly about yourself because you don't, like anything in life, timing is an issue, you know? So for me, it's worked out well because I enjoy it. So I pay attention to my rollover IRA because that's my livelihood going forward. You know? But not everybody's wired like that. Exactly. So you want to end up at a financial institution, in my opinion, other than just your local bank. I think it's more important to be able to be someplace where – if something's happened, and nowadays it happens quickly in the stock market. Very I mean, you fast. could you it, by the time morning comes up and you've had your cup of coffee, the market could go from being up high to crashing, and now everything is 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 completely in chaos. Things move way too quickly for you to not be at least available to participate. You know what I'm saying? So I believe whether you like it or not, learn the basics. Like I said, figure out a financial institution where you can participate, where you don't have to wait for Dr. Webb to call you back after he calls his other 400 clients. You want to be able to get in and act yourself in today's world where everything moves so quickly. Yeah, that's a a nice one to know. You know, and then again, like everything else, everything is a risk. Filing for divorce is a risk. I mean, is it going to be in the process? I think many of us think, well, maybe it's still going to work out or whatever. The point is, is everything that we do is going to have an element of risk. 
you know? So to just have a checking account or a savings account, which for me is pretty non-existent, who would put money into a savings account and get 0.01%? I mean, I don't even do math, but I know that's a small number. Very small. <laughs> so. I remember I, when I uh, I was a facilitator for a divorce recovery workshop, and we, uh, we were talking about some of the, your your new reality, you know, not 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 having that much money anymore. But one of the ladies said that one of her new realities was getting a car fix around, you know, paying paying for the car fix, you know, because her husband sure. always did that. You know, she'd wake up, the car was fixed. It was like boom, you know, she didn't realize that you know you had to take it to the shop, you know, pay for it. Get it to the shop. Get it back from the shop. Sure. All, all those modalities. So it's 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 a you know get into your new reality is is different, and and I think that the financial part is one of the hardest. Well, it has the biggest impact yeah. on you. You know, I mean, if you we use your example, like for a car, again, I'm only learning from some of my friends. If you no longer have a car that's under warranty, then don't go to a dealership. Find That's when you need to network and ask people, such as I asked you, who do you take your car for repair? Jacob. I will never leave Jacob. He's fair and reasonable. He's on time. And as a single woman, where I'm sitting there waiting for it, those are important elements for me. Shout out to Jacob. (laughs) You bet. So again, networking is important. I didn't realize that either. You know, you hear all this stuff, especially, you know, it's one thing if you've already, if you're a business person and you've been out in the world, for those of us who, you know, who have stayed at home for a portion of their their family life, you know, you have to really be in overdrive because even the terminology, the apps, I mean, the fact that we can manage our entire life off a cell phone scares the heck out of me. But it does make it more convenient. It makes it convenient, but it also, let's be realistic, nothing's really private. So how much of your world is already out there, you know? So, you know, the fact that I've become obsessed now with wherever my cell phone is at is kind of sad as well, but it's, it's, it's a reality. But, you know, it's, it's very interesting how we go through all this and, Money, money's huge. You know, you know, when I went through my divorce, you know, the money was huge. And, um, just, and that can, that can almost make or break you sometimes. Absolutely. That'll, that'll, that'll set the, and, and people have got divorced over money. Well, money is, is been a factor since the beginning of time. It has nothing to do with whether you're a couple or family or parent and child. It, it can bring out the ugly in most of us. And honestly, even for those people who've gone through a divorce and who did not have a good savings um, strategy, if you will, and are really dealing with rock bottom or just a very small amount of money, my advice to those men and women is at least for the first 12 months, live way below your means in order to be able to catch up with what you need to do. A lot of that depends on your debt ratio, you know, and that's another thing that many people didn't know about your FICA score. Yep. If you have two credit cards and you've run up your balance, let's say it, one's 10000 and <clears throat> the other one is whatever, 5000 So what you have to take a look at is your ratio, your debt to the credit balance that you is available to you. So if you keep it at 30%, 
on both credit cards, you can still have a great FICA score. So you don't have to go out right away and pay off all your debt. Ideally, that's what you would want to do. Mm -hmm. But let's say hypothetically, you've gotten out of a divorce, the the credit card debt was divided up, or maybe you inherited it because you didn't pay attention to who the authorized person on it was. All those little nuances can have a big impact on you. You also want to do a credit report. Yep. You know, it and will see, pull. Well, you're, so what you're saying is people need to pay attention. Absolutely. Men, women, you know, no matter if you were the the um, <laughs> the bill payer, not the bill payer, you got to pay attention. And, exactly. And you got to go out there and get after it because no one's going to do it for you. Exactly. And in today's world where, you know, so many things can, so many accounts can be hacked, like for example, I was in the process of buying a house last year, and it was like the night before closing. And I get a call that I didn't disclose that I had a house in New Jersey. I I said, well, I had no idea. Who knew that I had a house in New Jersey? So something as simple as changing one letter in the latter part of my name from Hanson to Hanson change the whole dynamics of the closing. So, of course, then I had to show them the correct way of spelling, and clearly I was not that person in New Jersey with that house. So what I'm saying is that if Man. as as a minimum, whether you're financially savvy or not, you have to pay attention to your FICA score. You have to do a credit report because without that, you're going to go into whatever situation, whether it's to buy a car, new or used, and unaware of what's going to all come out if you're not on top of your... With your pants around your ankles. Exactly. Man. Well, I've learned quite a bit tonight. This has been very, very enlightening. You know, the 30% uh, debt to rate, debt to... Credit your ratio, debt ratio, correct. Debt, debt ratio and on credit cards. and So your goal would be then instead of paying everything down, let's say you owe $20,000 on two cards, pay it down to where it's 30%, 30% on each card based on what the credit limit is. You know, if your credit limit's $50,000 and you owe ten, then clearly you're at the 30% level, you know. So that's what the key is because they take a look at what your, <clears throat> excuse me, your monthly financial obligations are. Not yep. necessarily the entire entire amount. Amount. Wow, very interesting. Well, we want to thank Denise for coming by and make this short today, and uh, <clears throat> we'll have Denise come by again and again <laughs> and again and again. She's she's quite smart, one oh. of my smart friends. So well, thanks, thank Denise, for coming. Thank you very much, David, for we'll having see me. See you guys later, and everybody out there, take care. Absolutely. Good night. Bye.